0: Welcome to 100 Centuries, the History Conversations podcast. I'm Connie B. Dowell, um, and again, we've got another solo show today, Um, just a short episode this time, the long-promised episode on the camera obscura, a fun astronomical and artistic device rumored to have been used by um, Vermeer in the creation of many of his Famous paintings. So what is the camera obscura? Camera obscura is also known as a pinhole camera. So if you ever had to make a pinhole camera to view, say, an eclipse, which is really the only safe way to view an eclipse uh, without special technology. Basically, it's a small darkened chamber. In the case of your homemade eclipse viewing camera obscura you probably used a small box and a pinhole placed inside the box so that light can come through and place an inverted image on the opposite side from the pinhole. Now this can get kind of tricky at home doing this with a piece of paper you try and angle it up. What for the last eclipse last fall what Stephen and I found was really useful was we used basically an old canister made of cardboard, the kind that, that usually holds grits or oatmeal. And it had this slightly translucent plastic top. So in the bottom, that, that cardboard bottom, you made a pinhole and then you could see the image reflected on that translucent back without even having to open the canister. Just in case you're looking for a good way to view an eclipse, that that's a good one if you happen to have a canister of oatmeal or grits laying around. But that's basically what a camera obscure is. And it comes from Latin and it means quite literally darkened chamber. And you might be wondering this little pinhole box thing, why does it call the word camera in it? Um, because a modern camera seems so different, but a modern camera is actually, the descendant of the camera obscura. And we're about to dive into how that all came about. So the term camera obscura was coined by Johannes Kepler, but the device itself and the principle behind it is actually much, much older. Um, It's been known since ancient times, but during ancient times it was mostly used just as an astronomical device, just for viewing things like an eclipse couple of examples of um, ancient mentions of the camera obscura. In the 5th century BCE, Chinese philosopher Mozi described that inverted image coming from a pinhole. And in the 330s BCE, Aristotle describes the same principle, but as an image cast through foliage, so light coming through leaves and um, branches. And If you're again, if you're like stranded without any kind of pinhole camera, that's actually considered to be a a safe way of viewing the eclipse. Don't don't look at the eclipse through the leaves. You look at the shadow on the ground that's being cast between the leaves. The first formal scientific description of um, this principle and the suffice was by Arabian scientists al in the 11th century and in the 13th century, Roger Bacon described the optical process behind the camera obscura. Now, in the Renaissance, the use of the camera obscura um, expanded beyond scientific purposes and used more for artistic purposes. Um, not that it wasn't continuing to be used for scientific purposes but that the artistic use became more widespread. And part of the reason for this is the um, addition of a lens to the camera obscura. And because artists used a lens, they could now have a much brighter, um, clearer image um, from their pinhole camera. And the the use of the lens was described by Giambattista della Porta, an Italian scientist of the 1550s, by the 1600s, the camera obscura had changed quite a bit. Up to this point, it's really, it's quite literally a chamber in terms of like a darkened room. A whole room that is kept dark with a small pinhole where light enters in. So that's how they were viewing the images, which are kind of hard to do through, say, shoebox. Um, they got a much better image of the tiny pinhole in a very dark room. So they were literally inside the camera. But by the 1600s, they had made this more portable with tent-like structures. So you could set up your camera obscura and get inside it anywhere. And a number of artists in this period are rumored to have used the camera obscura um, as part of their process, including Johann Vermeer, Antonio Canaletto, and Joshua Reynolds, and Paul Sandby. All are rumored to have used, or either rumored or that there is some historical evidence that they may have used the camera obscura as part of their work. Then the camera obscuras began to get even smaller into little handheld box devices by the end of the 17th century. When we get into the 19th century, we're starting to talk about something that's feeling even more like modern camera, especially when we actually get a camera by placing light sensitive sheets inside of a camera obscura. And in 1826, Joseph Niespoor Nieps, Joseph Niespo-Nieps, that's a mouthful, um, a French inventor who basically created the first thing we can we can generally call a camera by placing a metal plate covered with bitumen into a camera obscura. And so when the light went in, he didn't have to trace the image, as many artists had been doing before. Instead, his metal plate, covered with that chemical, captured the image from the light being released inside. Now, the earliest surviving photograph we have um, is a view from the window at Le Gras, and it was taken in either... 1826, or perhaps 1827. And we will include that picture in the show notes. So if you go to 100centuries.com and look at the notes for this episode, you'll be able to see this and hopefully many other interesting old pictures. Now the process um, improved from there. And many of you may be familiar with um, daguerreotypes something that perhaps your grandma had on your shelf, but daguerreotypes are actually much older than that. This would be your grandma's grandma. So these are pretty hefty family heirlooms, but I still remember seeing um, older relatives having daguerreotypes on their shelves, even though there's no way that they were alive when daguerreotypes were being taken. In 1837, Louis Daguerre produced his version of the photograph um, using a thin copper plate that's coated with silver. Eventually, things changed even from there, and William Henry Fox Talbot invented light-sensitive paper um, to be used as a negative. Now, that didn't last. Eventually, um, negatives were became glass, and but the photographs themselves produced from the negatives went onto paper. Um, so a lot of photographs you see from the later 1800s, um, certainly all the American Civil War photographs you would see come from glass negatives that then became made into the paper photographs. Now we're not going to go into too much more detail here about um, history of photography technology, though that could be an episode in itself. But you can see how even a, even a modern digital camera is still You're still working with light entering an aperture and capturing that light in some way. So the camera obscura is still alive and well. So let's go on to kind of the big question. Did Johan Vermeer, the famed Dutch artist, use the camera obscura to trace images before he painted them? That's the big question. And there is some evidence for by looking at the paintings that you can see for his having used the camera obscura. Though we we don't have any hard records of him actually doing this. Um, the theories that he's used the camera obscura are actually quite old. In um, 1891, American artist Joseph Pennell proposed that Vermeer's officer and the laughing girl were created using was created using the camera obscura. Um, And his reasoning for that was the perfect photographic perspective of the image. And you can look at the body parts of the girl and the officer. And because the officer is closer to the viewer or closer to the camera, he's nearly twice as large as the girl. And though that's, you know... A a part of perspective that we're pretty familiar with nowadays, Um, according to this theory, in the 17th century, that kind of perfect perspective really couldn't, really would be very unusual. And certainly not possible to say that it couldn't be achieved, but it would be very unusual. Other theories, or other theorists, um, rely on the Light's shapes as evidence what do I mean by light source shapes in these pictures? When we are talking about an interior image, um, or rather a a picture of an interior scene, something inside of a house, of a room, the light source coming in would be from, say, a window. And so you would expect the shine on objects, um, objects that, that shine and reflect back that light source. That shine would be, much more angular, more window-shaped. But instead, um, Vermeer renders this shine on objects as perfect circles, um, which wouldn't make sense if he was looking at the object, but would make sense through a ca- if he was tracing from a camera obscura, which wasn't in perfect focus. Um, because even though they're using a lens, you can have clearer images. It wasn't quite as clear as real life. And even as I sit here and record this episode, I can see an example in the room in which I'm in. Um, I've got a clock across the room with a glass case over the clock face. And the light source in this room is coming from a window. So I look at it and I see that rectangular shine. But if I took my glasses off, it's a circle now. So, did Vermeer use the camera obscura? Didn't he? Does it matter? Um, Not done an extensive survey of people's attitudes towards this. Um, One of the kind of further reading links that I will will include in the show notes, but with the caveat that this is not a kid-safe site, um, because it does use some strong language, is um, an article from Cracked. And... Definitely not kid safe. Maybe, maybe not work safe just to to really play it safe. Though it does, have, you know, have a lot of interesting commentary. But it does use that strong language. Um, and in this correct article, the, the author kind of took this as an example of you basically people you thought were geniuses that are sort of cheating. But personally... I don't think that the use of a camera obscura is cheating any more than a modern photographer is cheating by taking a picture with their own cam with the camera we have today. You know, is it cheating if you draw a picture using a graphics tablet instead of a pencil and paper? I don't think so. It's just artists using the technology at hand, which is what they've always done. But what do you think? Do you think Vermeer used the camera obscura Or do you think that he just achieved that photographic precision through much practice and effort and talent? Or is it a little bit of both? So we'd love to hear your feedback at 100centuries.com. That's 100 spelled out, not the numbers. And as always, we appreciate um, reviews and ratings at iTunes or um, Stitcher or whatever podcast app you're using. And that is basically it for this short little episode. Thanks so much for listening. This is 100 Centuries, signing off.